excited to be here. How about you guys? Here's why I'm excited, though. I love the topic of prayer, and today I'm going to talk about my very favorite part of prayer, which is how to experience the presence of God during prayer. Now, you know, I, the reason that I'm passionate about this is because I, when I first became a Christian, I was an atheist growing up, so it was kind of like prayer was so new and exciting to me that it was just like a romance when you first, you know, meet somebody and everything's just over the moon and it's just sweet. And, you, like, I, I literally, when I was, you know, in bed, um, I'd wake up in the morning and go, good morning, Lord. <laughs> I would just, like, be that excited about prayer and about my walk with God. Well, as the years progressed, as many relationships uh, happen sometimes as well, it started, my prayer life started getting boring. Anybody ever have a boring prayer life where it's just like, blah, 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 God, help me with this, help me with that, say my prayers. It kind of feels like a ritual almost. And it really became almost like, you know, almost like a superstition, you know, kind of like I was supposed to pray. That's a part of what you're supposed to do, right, is check off the box and pray. And it wasn't until years later that I started discovering things that made my prayer life alive and exciting and vibrant every day. And I do believe that today that I enjoy prayer like every, every day. Like, I just love it. I can't wait. It's just like you know, how I can't wait to be with my husband. It's just that exciting. So, uh, and I want that for everybody. I get excited about teaching people how. And so today I'm going to talk about why is it that sometimes we don't experience the presence of God and how can we? Because God is everywhere present, right? So why is it that we aren't experiencing his presence all the time in our prayer life? So first let's go to um, Psalm 48. And, let's see, (laughs) Uh, here we go. Okay, Psalm 48, and in verse 10 it says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So here's a part, as far as just the beginning goes, it's one of the tips, is you have to slow down and get still. You know, have... A lot of times we get caught up in the busyness of life and your brain, doesn't your brain even get busy sometimes? It's just like, you know, like all the noise of, for me, it's my challenge is thinking of all the things I have to do, you know, just constant. I think my mind sometimes is an ongoing to-do list. So the first part of this is that it ta- is getting to the place that we're still, and that takes time. If you're not used to being quiet, then it will take time and to understand that. I don't know if you've ever, you know, tried uh, praying or getting quiet with God and your mind starts wandering right away and you start, you know, obsessing over things to do or what, what have you. Um, but it takes practice, and so you need to set aside time for prayer. And it needs to be something if that what I like to do is, is make it like a priority to do it in the morning. I don't necessarily do it first thing. But, I, but I've started to learn what are the th- things that get in my way that talk me out of getting, spending time in prayer. You know, what are, for me, it's email. You know, it's just sort of like step away from the email. You know, it's just sort of like I get hundreds of emails every day, and it's just, uh, and so it's just like it's really hard for me to resist, like just clear out the inbox, Nancy, you know. Just like, no, no, take time out for prayer because it makes such a big difference. 
And so it's setting aside the time, and if your mind wanders, you actually need more time. You know, if you, um, like, I recommend that people start with, like, a half hour and just make that time, because in that half hour of stillness, your mind's going to wander almost all of it to begin with. You'll be lucky if you get five minutes of good prayer time out of a half hour at the beginning just because it's, it's, it's a habit of getting used to being quiet in the stillness of God. And so part of this, too, is have you ever wondered, like, God's everywhere present. Why don't we just automatically experience his presence? You know, it should be like you just decide to pray and you're like, totally get it that God is present because he's there. But what happens is our brain actually has this thing called a reticular activating system. And what, <laughs> and what that is is you can decide, your, your brain, you train it to focus in on different things because we cannot take in all the stimuli that's going on at any given time. Like right now, think about what your focus is. Hopefully it's listening to this teaching. But think about, just for a moment, what are the things in this room that because you are listening to me talk that you aren't noticing right now, but they're here and they're present? Can you think of some things? Let's, I'm just going to take a minute. Do you notice sounds? Do you notice things in the room that you didn't even notice before? Do you see how that works? Our brain we focuses on the things that we want it to focus on, but we have to train it to do so. We have to make a deliberate and conscious decision to do that. You know, in, I, I hear this about musicians or people that are, that are sound engineers, that they have a very sensitive ear to even the smallest things in sound that I definitely would never, never be aware of or never hear. And it's because of their love for music that they have trained their ear to hear those things that at a certain point, those sounds become so obvious that they're almost like glaring. I'm an acting teacher, and so it kind of wrecks things sometimes when I go to the movies and watch TV shows and things because I am highly sensitive to, like, the smallest things in somebody's acting that are not real. Like, if it's just a little bit, and I'm like, ah! You know, <laughs> it's just like, it feels like it's screaming at me because I've spent time tuning my eyes and my ears to noticing that and being really sensitive. And that's how the reticular activating system works. So if you have not spent any time tuning into God, you're not going to notice his presence. There are times in my life, and maybe you can even recall this, have you ever had times where, in retrospect, you realized God was talking to you through a megaphone and you weren't listening? You ever had, the, like, where you could kind of, looking back in hindsight, go, God was warning me? You know, it was sort of, um, this is, uh, it's, it's really wild. Like, we hear what we want to hear and tune into what we want to tune into. Oftentimes, maybe God is even telling us something that we don't want to hear, and we especially like to tune those things out. I remember the first time um, I got married many years ago. Uh, I was married and divorced. And <laughs> I was so determined to get married that even the minister that married us said, do not marry him. You're making a massive mistake. And guess what? Still got married. So, and that was just one. Like, I can't tell you how many people said, don't do it, don't do it. And I just was not about to listen. And that's an example of how God was like really fighting for me, but I was having none of it. So we want to get to the place where 
we are tuning in and practicing and wanting and craving to hear the voice of God and knowing when to recognize it, knowing what it sounds like to hear God speak. And so that's what I'm going to talk about today. Um, Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 29 um, in verse 11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will bring you back from your captivity. You know, it's just sort of, um, and then it says here, it's really interesting because it's saying God wants to be found. God is not trying to be mysterious. God wants us to know him. God wants us to hear his voice. Oftentimes, seriously, God fights for us to hear him. You know, it's because he wants to have that kind of a close relationship. God wants to have a relationship with us probably more than anyone here in this room wants a relationship with him. Isn't that mind-blowing? Why? <laughs> like, really, God, you want, you want to be with me and have a relationship with me? We know that because he sent his son. That's how much he wants you. He wants to be like this with you. How much does that speak to your heart? that God longs for that, that God desires that, that that's why he sent his only begotten son even. It says um, that we will be found in him. Let's go to um, Psalm. One of the things that helps to, when thinking about what does seeking look like in our prayer life? Do you ever think about seeking when you're praying? Because it says seek and he will be found, right? Because usually we think of prayer or at least this is the way that I used to think about it, like almost giving my grocery list to God of things that I need. You know, has your prayer life ever looked like that? Just sort of a to-do list, a task list that you'd like? God is not a genie in a bottle. But the thing is, is so what would it look like in your prayer life to seek God? One of the things that I've practiced that helps me to bring it alive is asking God questions of things that I want to know. Think about what don't you know right now that you'd like to know. What's, are there any areas of your life that are cloudy? or foggy? Any things that feel uncertain in your life? Guess what? God wants to help. He wants to answer. He wants to speak to you. God doesn't want you to have no idea what you're doing or what decisions you should make or choices or how to handle things. God wants us to have clarity and wants to answer. So part of what I practice, which is like having a hunger in my heart, is seeking God by asking questions when I pray. Some of the great questions, too, like there's some that are actually just classic and work all the time, pretty much, are things like, you know, I ask God where he wants me to be, where he's leading me. You know, God, what, not my will, but your will be done, God. You know, just like Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, he said, not my will, God, but yours be done, is what Jesus prayed. So I want to pray that for my life, too, not my will, but your will, God. Another thing that... um you know, I like to pray, God, if there's something that I'm not seeing that you need me to see, I'd like to see it. I really want to. There are times that I was afraid to pray that prayer, you know. But I, I've really come to say, well, I really want to see, Lord, what you want me to see. Another one that really works a lot of times is saying, what do you think of me, God? You know, just, it's really an interesting, see, I just got chills thinking about that. 
you know, sometimes it just sort of like does a lot for my heart. Because have you ever, you know, it's just funny, like some of the ideas of how we think God thinks of us. What do you usually think God thinks of you? You know, you, the pictures, you know, falling short, you know, anybody think like, oh gosh, I'm just a mess and how could God like me? And he's probably mad at me right now because I didn't go to church last week and, you know, <laughs> or what, whatever. Didn't read the Bible when I told myself I was going to read the Bible every day. So he's probably really fed up with me at this point. So, but sometimes it just helps our heart to stay open and say, how do you see me, God? What do you think of me? Is a seeking. So just, I want you to be thinking big key in your prayer life is seeking with an open heart to receive something. Um, let's go to, this is one of my favorites. This changed my prayer life in a big, big way. In Psalm 29 in verse 2. It says, um, Psalm 29 verse 2, it says, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And that word worship actually is the, the Hebrew word to bow down prostrate. And so it's, um, there's a key in worshiping God in our prayer life. And a lot of people, honestly, I never even thought of that as a part of my prayer life before. I was actually brought up in a church where nobody ever kneeled or bowed down to God. You know, like we were just too, I don't know, put together. You know, the, it, was, uh, it was like... It was all about being the put-together people or something like that. And it's changed my life that now every day when I pray, I want to worship God and exalt him as God. Like, I want to really get that I'm not speaking to a genie in a bottle who is at my beck and call, but that he is God that created all of life, all the stars and the heavens and all of that, that I am in just to take note that I'm in his presence of going, I'm actually right now in the presence of God. Right now, each of and every one of us, right now, even now we can be aware of his presence in this room with us, that God is here among us, that God dwells with us right here. How cool is that? That we want to just take note that we are in his presence. And a part of what helps my heart, and you see it like over and over and over in the Bible, are people bowing when they pray. And sometimes people, it's not bow like this, you know, like the, you know, how do you do? You know, sometimes people get, com I, sometimes I don't realize that, that the way that, that the language is a little bit different, but it actually means kneeling. It's, it's kneeling. And they actually did a thing in, um, the, in the East that was common. It was kind of child's pose in yoga. You guys, does, <laughs> that's basically the biblical way of kneeling or bowing is child's pose. You guys know yoga people? No faces. I'm not going, oh, yeah. It's <laughs> I'm not going to do it for you. So <laughs> but anyway, but kneeling or bowing, it's changed my heart when it comes to prayer. And every person that I've talked to, just say, just try this for a while, has said it's changed their heart when they pray. Because what it does, you know, sometimes it's just sort of like you think almost, well, I don't want to kneel because then... I'm, I'm behaving like I'm afraid of God. It's not. It's a sense of kneeling or bowing to recognize the vastness of how big God is and that we are small, that we are finite small people, and that we need help. It also puts us in the place of saying, I can't do this. I need you, God. Of humbling ourselves, it says, before the mighty hand of God. 
of just being in that place. It changes my heart. So usually the first thing that I do before I start talking or anything is I kneel and just be in the stillness like that first verse and just want to just notice his presence, just be aware of his presence around me and just kind of surrender to him. Sometimes it's also, it helps me to think about it. There's a verse of scripture that says that we're to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. Sacrifices, people would give their sacrifices, the animal sacrifices, and lay it on an altar as an offering to God. They would do that. Is to lay, but God's saying he doesn't want us as dead sacrifices, but living for him. So sometimes my kneeling, it's just experiencing the fact of saying, I want to be a living sacrifice for you. I belong to you. I'm all yours, God. I'm not much, but you got me. You got everything that I am is yours. Um, so if you haven't tried that, I would encourage you to just see how that experience is for you for a while, because um, it's amazing. I, I just like, it's, it's helped me to love my prayer life, especially those first moments when everything's like chaotic. Get on your knees, Nancy. Get on your knees. Get on your, like, I'm just like, get down, get down. You know, as soon as I, somehow I just get in there and just go, oh, I'm in the presence of God. You know, I just want to be in your presence. And I just tell God, I want to be in your presence. I want to be with you. I long, I crave, I crave being with God and having time with God where it's just like you can grow this. If this is not alive for you, it is possible to grow this where this is vibrant and exciting and you just enjoy it. It's one of the most peaceful, let go, surrender, sweet things that you'll ever experience. There's nothing like it. And I mean to tell you, if you take time out of your day before you get rolling with all the other stuff, everything else will go like night and day because you will have a sense that God is with you and that he's present and that this is not all on you. Okay, let me just read some of these. It says, um, there's a few more in this. It says in Psalm um, 95 in verse 6, there's a lot of these, but I just picked a few. It says, Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Uh, and that's that same um, word as far as worship, bow down uh, kind of thing. It opens your heart. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 13. This is Solomon, who at the time was the big, I mean, he was, you always hear about the wisdom of Solomon. Now, mind you, Solomon had a time where he really went downhill, but for a long time he was considered like the wisest man on earth because he was given the kingdom and God told him, which this is not an offer everybody gets every day from God, but God said to Solomon, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. Could you imagine if God asked you that? Like, give me, ask anything and I'll give it to you. So Solomon, you know, instead of asking for riches or long life, he said, give me wisdom to lead your people. You're so great a people. At the moment that he started being a king, he had a love for God's people and said, you've given me responsibility for these people. Just give me wisdom to take care of them. He had a really good heart at the beginning, and that's why he's, the wisdom of Solomon is still spoken about this day. And so this is a time where you see Solomon's heart when he was walking with God, where it said, um, for Solomon had made a brazen scaffold, five cubits long, five cubits broad, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And it says, and kneeled down upon his knees before all the congregation of Israel and spread forth his hands toward heaven. And so that's the other posture of prayer. If you've ever seen in church people are doing this and you go, that's weird. That's kind of creepy. Like, what the heck is that? Like, uh, too religious for me. I used to think that. So 
<laughs> but the posture of prayer, the reason people do it in the Bible, you don't have to or anything, but one of the things is that, that this posture, so he's on his knees, but also reaching his hands outward, and what it represents is reaching to be open-hearted to God. It's kind of like, um, you know, somebody told me, uh, it's, it's like when little kids do to their parents, like, oh, pick me up, you know, that kind of thing. It gives you the sense of reaching to God, and that's another place that it helps open our heart. So that posture, too, can be helpful as far as opening your heart goes. But this is kind of a big deal because he's the big muckety-muck king, and he did this in front of all of his people to show them that God was still overall, no matter how powerful he was, which is kind of cool. Let's look at Daniel 6 and verse 10. Daniel, this is the lion's den, Daniel in the lion's den. And so Daniel had some people that um, were his peers and um, that were jealous of Daniel because the king had given Daniel so much responsibility. And they conspired and decided to come up with this thing because they knew Daniel worshipped God uh, all the time and was always praying. So they talked the king into making a decree that if anybody prays to their God for the next 30 days, except for praying to the king and giving him worship, that the, that, that person will be thrown into the lion's den, if you don't know the story. And so here's what Daniel does. Being faced with death and being told for 30 days, do not bow down to any gods except for the king. Um, Daniel does not listen to this. And he says in, verse, and in Daniel 6 and verse 10, it says, When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. Um, this is what the king had decreed. And in his first thing he does, in, in the upper room with his windows open so everybody could see him, toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks as was his custom since the early days. Can you imagine giving thanks when you've just been told that you're going to be thrown to the lions? It's just like his heart of worshiping God, not caring who saw, you know, wide open windows and, and everything else. Um, there's just power in that. It's a powerful place to just go to, to, to lay ourselves before God and to see his greatness. Let's go one more, and then I'm going to share some practical keys with you. In uh, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, one of the keys that we also want to do is to come needy to God. To come just being aware of our neediness and having that be okay, this is the place to bring all of your neediness. It says in Matthew 11, verse 28, it says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's like anybody, if you've got a lot on your plate, on a lot on your shoulders, you know, God says, come to him, and he will give us rest. So, um... So I want to kind of walk through some keys here. Uh, I've got a little chart um, of practical tips that I've found that uh, are helpful. So first, we've got time. Set aside more time than you need and don't rely on leftover time. If you're waiting till you have enough time to pray, you will never have enough time to pray. You know, it's so part of this is making, if you want to grow in your prayer life, is if you just do it, if you make a commitment at the beginning, it's going to be really, really hard to talk yourself into it. But if you make a commitment to make that space for God, that quiet time for God, and it becomes a habit, then it gets easier. But, but it will be a battle to begin with. And don't, don't shame yourself. If your mind wanders when you're having that time, let's say you just commit. And it's good to pick a time period. I really recommend if you have not done this, start with a half hour. You know, and just give the time. And if your mind wanders the whole 30 minutes almost and you got one or two minutes out of it, it's still good. 
And if you keep doing this, those minutes will increase that you'll be aware of his presence and your mind won't go all over the place. But just give it time and be patient. One of the things you don't want to do is shame yourself in it. Oh, my, oh, this is terrible. Why? Why? God must not mean very much to me. Like, what's wrong that I don't care about God, that my brain is wandering so much? It's just, it's just a habit. It's just a discipline. Stillness is something that you need to build. And like I say, just like that reticular activating system, we want to train our minds to be aware of his presence. Place. It's important to find some place you're not going to fall asleep. <laughs> some people try and do it in bed, and then like two seconds later, you ever try that? Oh, I'm going to pray in bed. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so... Try and pick a place where you're not going to fall asleep or that your mind won't get as distracted. But also, one of the things that I've found is sometimes I get too attached to needing a certain place. I usually pray on the carpet in our family room. And if that's not available, then I used to find myself for some reason going, oops, well, I I won't pray because I need that space. Well, that doesn't work either. We want to have some flexibility, but just to do the best that we can to get someplace where we can have quiet and not be distracted and not fall asleep. Okay. Posture, like I say, if you have not tried this, it's just, it's been so much fun to see people try this that haven't, and they're like, wow, it really opens my heart up. Try getting on your knees before God and experiencing that. Um, You know, try reaching your hands up, heavenward, and, you know, reaching for God and for his help to let yourself be needy because it tears the walls down in your heart. Because, you know, that's the thing that happens in prayer, right? You get walls in your heart about God you know, where it's hard for you to believe he's there, or, you know, bad experiences. Maybe they're bad experiences in church. Maybe they're bad experiences just with not trusting people that we have walls in our heart. And so the posture thing can tear down the walls. Um, Also, when it's, I I have just practiced the presence of God and of Christ. They're kind of, you know, part of this is like, you can just experience what it's like to be in the presence of God, and that sometimes it's just being aware to me, reminding myself who God is as the creator. And for me, it helps me to think of the things that God has created, that God is spirit, that he's everywhere present, of God's power, of all the things that he's made. That helps me to remember being in the presence of God. And then I also um, spend time in the presence of Jesus. And especially if I'm bowing, I like to think, sometimes it just helps me to think of being at the cross, you know, of just bowing where I'm just there before Jesus at the cross. And then sometimes it helps me to just think about just being in the presence of Jesus you know, in his, you know, ministry where he was teaching and that I was listening and that I want to listen and and tune into that. So those are things that can um, help. Sometimes it helps to talk out loud. If your mind wanders, one of the things that you can do is try praying out loud. It might sound weird at first, you're like, but it will stop your mind from wandering because if you're actually talking, you know, it's like how much can you be thinking about other things when you're talking to God? So try that if you haven't before. Um... Tell the truth to God. You don't want to like, you know, you want to confess what God says and the things that God says, but it's also good to just tell the reality. I feel distant and I don't like it, God. Help me. I don't like that I feel this way right now. I feel walls and I don't want to feel that way, God. Help me. Help me tear down the walls. I feel afraid, you know. I don't have a lot of faith. Help me. Just like we read last week with the, with the boy's father saying, help my unbelief, Lord. Um, then when your mind wanders, what I just said before is gently bring it back. No harsh voices because shaming yourself will actually make it worse and it kind of spirals. So speak gently. Go, oh, there I go again. 
kind of wandering. Okay, let's bring it back. God, I'm back with you, and you know, that kind of thing. It happens to everybody that your mind will wander, especially at the beginning. Uh, worship, make a space to worship, praise, and give thanks. Like, I s actually focus on the worship part during some of my prayer life where I actually focus on exalting God, giving him praise, saying what all that God has done, you know, and so that helps build my faith quite a bit. Um, ask questions for wisdom. You can ask for wisdom. You can ask for insight. You can ask to know God's will. That's what, what do you think of me, God? The questions can help. Uh, ask with, for help with faith. Ask for help to get closer. Ask for help to be open if you're closed down and shut down. Help me, Lord, to open my heart. Ask questions like, what do you think of me? And then also ask for your needs to be met, to make requests, but to try to be open when we're making the request of him. That we want to know, because sometimes just to be aware if we get tunnel vision sometimes where maybe instead of asking God, God, I need $1,000, you know, God, I need a car, or God, I, whatever your needs are. Sometimes we get sort of like the God has to answer things a certain way as opposed to just saying, you know, God, I, these are my needs, but I want to stay open to what you have that's best for me. Okay. So, anyway, I loved being, uh, being with you guys in this series about prayer. I love prayer. I really believe that there's not anything that we can do in our lives that can impact everything in our lives more than prayer. If there's ever one thing that you must do in your day, like, you know, that I would put, this is just what, you know, like as far as a priority, there's nothing more powerful than prayer. If you're an A-type and a doer personality, just stop and get on your knees. You know, it will get you further. You will accomplish more. Your time will go further. All of that of just spending time out for prayer. Your day, you will notice your energy level and everything else will change radically by making it a priority to pray. So let me close in prayer as we end our last day. Boo-hoo. Um, our prayer seminar. And what I'm going to do today, too, just so you know, before actually I close with prayer, um, we're having our big day next week. So last week, if you were here, I, made an, I, I put up a whiteboard and had everybody write names of people that you'd like to invite to the big day, which I'm super excited. There's 189 names on there that I've been praying for every day. <laughs> it's been a blast praying for 189 people every day. So uh, the way that I've done it, because I don't know who these people are that you wrote down, so the way that I've been doing it is when I see the name, I just ask God what to pray for. And so um, I don't know what their needs are, but I trust that God does. So I go, God, what can I pray for for this person? And so um, sometimes I'll be praying for, you know, walls in their heart. Sometimes I'll be praying for whoever you guys are that wrote them down, because I don't know who wrote people down, to give the right words to this person to invite, you know, to give you the words to speak. But if you missed last week or if you have people you thought of since last week that you'd like me to pray for, then on your connection card today, write the names and the notes on the back of those extra people. Don't duplicate the ones you already wrote down because I'm praying for those, I promise. So, but if you have people that are not on that list or you weren't here last week, then add their names to that connection card and I will continue to pray for them from now until our big day next week for the Love and Sex series. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for prayer. I love that we get to have a relationship with you. It's amazing. And you, our Lord Jesus, as our amazing Savior. Thank you so much um, for your love and your goodness. But I pray right now for everybody here that this would be an opportunity that people could really grow in experiencing your presence and, and just the, uh, 
the joy of just noticing when you speak that, that people can ask you questions and maybe you don't answer right in that moment, but that they can know that you are listening, God, and that you will show up and that they would even tune in to look for the answers, that they would pray with an expectancy knowing, uh, noticing, God, that you could answer. You could answer by another person. You could answer in their reading the word, that you have answers, that when we come and we seek, that you don't let us down, that you do answer prayers, and that that's your desire is for us to be that close to you. Thank you, God. Amen.